I want to uh, invite Brian Smith to the stage. Come on. Can we celebrate Brian? Brian is an incredible guy. He uh, serves here on, especially as it pertains to our, uh, our setup and teardown. He's also, you can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, he also is on our, one of our house assistants here. He serves on the production team and, you know, and he's just incredible, an incredible guy. And we're just so honored to be able to have him here today. And next we are going to have, uh, Miss, Mrs. Kimberly Johnson. Come on, come on, come on. Kimberly serves on our worship team and she is a massive blessing in that regard. And uh, we're so blessed. She's married to Leon Johnson. He's incredible. Uh, my running partner. Yeah. And so uh, not, only, not only them, but today we're going to also hear from my eldest son. Come on. Who just turned 10. We're going to hear from Gabriel Elias Beresford. Come on. He was about to do a dance. Go ahead. Get it out. 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 Hey, 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 hey. All right, have a seat now. <laughs> he just turned 10. He's in the fifth grade. He loves basketball. And he is just incredible. And we love him. And so not only this, let's go ahead and celebrate Shauna Broderick. Come on, let's celebrate her. She serves on our connections team as a house host and is incredible in the house. She's uh, especially active uh, also in our youth area and she served in that capacity for a while and we're getting ready to strike things up but we love her and she's incredible and last but definitely not least we love and we want to welcome miss stacy ann bell come on come on come on awesome incredible she's wonderful in the house she serves in our next steps uh, area in getting and helping assimilate people who are new to the church. All right. So the first person, Brian Smith, can we put our hands together and celebrate him today? Thank you, Pastor. How y'all feeling today? Good, good, good. Somebody shout amen. Why not? Amen. All right. If I could see, I can't even lie sometimes, man. I'd be high off me. The buzz light, buzz light, you're in the galaxy. The dough read me myself in the island B. The type of high you only get upon the pilot seat. But I was so lethal with the ego, thinking I could be the king like Hove with the Versace flow, but my life looking like Sloppy Joe. Priorities out of order, looking for a Halle Berry, man. I thought that I could never let go. I saw diamonds and pieces, but never saw Jesus, because the truth is I was never looking for him. I saw Royces and Lexes and Benzes. They told me you could have it all, but I never repented. Worldview misconstrued to the devil's life sentence, y'all. I was so broke. I couldn't even find the keys to my dreams. Stevie Wonder on the scene, I was blind, couldn't open up the door. They told me money, cash, hoes, and every zip code. But things were changing like east to west coast time zones. But little did I know there was a king on the throne, but I was so cold, my whole life froze. If I could see. I remember growing up feeling like I had to fight for everything. I grew up with both parents, and I had three brothers, or two brothers, so I was the youngest, which simply meant uh, I got beat up all the time. Uh, when I wanted to watch TV, um, I didn't get the remote, so I had to lay back and watch whatever they wanted to watch. <laughs> um, whatever was left over in the fridge, that was for me. I was like an animal. You know, you get the leftovers, okay? Um, but as a child, I learned how to develop the skills of survival, so I got in survival mode at a very young age. And moving on to high school, 
Um, can I make a confession? Is that okay? Um, I was caught up in idol worship. Uh, I used to worship at the idol of Kobe Bryant. Uh, yeah. True story. I ain't even lying. Like, he, to me, he was, he was the Messiah. <laughs> he was the way, the truth, the life. He was the anointed. When I kept telling people, man, uh, Jesus plays for the Lakers, man. He's got an afro. His name's Kobe. Yeah. I got so upset at people trying to, trying to confuse his name. I was like, you got to pronounce it right, man. It's not, it's not Kobe. It's not Kobe. It's Kobe. And I mean, put some respect on his name, right? I knew all of his statistics. I, I would follow him all five championships, y'all, five championships. So I'd follow him along that journey. And then I realized that I was going a little bit too far. I had a life-size poster of Kobe in my room. And then what turned into like just being a fan turned into idol worship. And it pressed over from that to things like lust and the love of money and greed and pride. And then God started checking my heart after I got saved. And I, I realized that, you know, whatever you put before God becomes an idol. And I didn't realize I was an idol worshiper until God convicted me at that moment. So I had a lot of celebrities and people that I'll bow down to. And, you know, who made the most money? What was their net worth? And I was caught up in all that stuff. And I tried to kind of emulate that myself. And then God had to convict me. And he brought me back to the Old Testament. And he said, thou shalt have no other gods. Y'all finish it? Before me. He said, I am your God, and I am a jealous God. And after getting saved, God kind of convicted me with that. The thing that I'm thankful for today is God's conviction and his rebuke over my life. So I'm thankful for God's correction over my life. And in our scripture today, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 36, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And the answer to that question, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Praise God. Okay. So, believe it or not, I'm thankful for detours. And so, I live in Scarborough, and I work at Young and Shepherd. And I use a GPS to get to work every day. Not because the building moves, but because the 401 is crazy. And for the most part, I get a very straightforward direction from the GPS. But there is the occasional time where it will tell me to get off, go DVP, York Mills. And I'm like, no, that is not the fastest way to work. I know the way. I'm going to go the way that I know. So I go my own way. And so you know the end of this story, right? I go the way that I know, the way that I know is the fastest, and then I end up behind a tractor trailer that has like overturned with spilt milk or whatever, and I'm 30 minutes late for work. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because GPS satellites orbit the Earth at 20,000 kilometers above the Earth. And I can see about 800 meters in front of me. And yet, I go my own way. And it makes no sense. And we do it all the time. And we do it to God. And it reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures, an oldie but a goodie. It's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Life is complicated. And with our limited perspective, we're not able to see ahead. And so we need God in order to help us navigate the ups and downs of life. And so am I saying that every detour that we encounter is a God thing? Well, not exactly. There are ones that God puts in our path in order to navigate around obstacles that we can't see. But there are also Kim-made obstacles, Kim-made detours. And so, uh, for example, 
I've had a really stressful two years, um, some really great opportunities at work, what they call stretch assignments. Um, but all they did was give me a lot of stress, uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of hours, um, and no work-life balance. And I, I'm newly married. Hi. And uh, so I wasn't getting a lot of face time with my husband, a lot, not a lot of time at home. And so I prayed and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And almost instantly, another opportunity came up and I was like, yes, that's it. And so I took the new job and I went there and within two weeks, I was 10 times worse than I had been before. So stressed out, never at home, working 12-hour days, totally not sustainable. And so uh, did I hear right on the new opportunity? You know, was it a Kim detour or was it a God detour? And to be honest with you, the jury is out on that. I don't really know. But uh, I did learn two very important things. One of them being that I have a real anxiety problem. And I probably always did. But that particular situation made it so that it really came to the forefront of my life and confronted me, and I realized I had to deal with it. Have you ever been paralyzed with irrational fear? Paralyzed, looking at my computer screen, unable to work, coming home to my husband and having him literally cradle me, him, me in his arms as I cried uncontrollably. And it was because of that situation I realized I needed help. I needed professional help. I'm being very transparent with you. Professional help. And so I sought that out. The other thing that I realized is that I needed God desperately to get through the day. Because of the time that I had to drop my husband off at uh, the subway, I would get to work 30 minutes early. And in the car, I would fight for my mind. Fight for my mind. I had to meditate on scripture. I had to pray. I could not enter that place. I literally couldn't go through the door without God, like undergirding me. I needed him desperately. And it's that situation that drew that out. And so that's why grace is amazing. Because whether or not it is your detour that you created yourself or God's detour, he doesn't waste the foolish mistakes that we make. He leverages those things for his glory. And so as hard as that experience was, I recognize it was necessary. And there are other detours in my life, however, that I haven't figured out as yet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see the good in it yet. And so I haven't figured that out yet. I'm sure you have the same situation in your life. It might be illness. It might be the, the loss of a loved one. It might be abuse. You might be there right now. And I'm not here to give you all the answers. I can tell you what I've learned as I try to figure out certain situations in my life. There are some detours that are not for you. It's not for you. And you don't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. But I'm here to tell you it's not for you. It's because you going through that detour whether it's God's detour or yours, makes you the answer to someone's prayer. And the only way that you're going to see the benefit in that particular situation is when you open up your mouth and you share what happened to you in community. That is when you'll see the benefit of it. And so I take it back to the scripture. I encourage you to trust in the Lord through all of the detours, yours or his, and let him use you and the detour for his glory. Thank you.
morning, church. Today, the scripture I'm going to be reading today is uh, Psalms 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Um, A few months ago, I had to go use the washroom when we were outside. So I had the keys, ran down the stairs, left them on the washer, used the washroom, went back up the stairs, and I left the keys on the washer. So I came back down. I was approaching the washer, and after the dryer buzzer went off, it really scared me. So I ran up the stairs. On the third step, I was like, it's just the dryer buzzer, but still, I ran up crying because it was just too scary. In that moment, I forgot what the scripture said. So you might be facing things that make you scared and fearful, like I was. But let's remember what the scripture says. The Lord is my light, point one. Light brightens up your day and takes away darkness. When you trust in Jesus, he can give you night vision in the dark situations. The Lord is my light and salvation, point two. The definition of salvation is deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. A point that I've uh, had salvation was once I was at camp this summer, and after I went walk, I walk, I go down this big slide, and after I walk up this big uh, board thing, I have to come off it. My friend went and walked up that thing and came off it and looked back, and there's like a snake this big. If I went down that slide and walked on that board again and didn't see that snake, I could have got bit. How many of you know today that even when your fears are present, God can deliver us? Can I get an amen? God, God, oh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Number three, God will give us strength and protection to make it through when we're fa- what we're facing. Whether it will be sickness, finances, loss, hunger. God, God can give you the strength to, to deal with it. Sometimes I'm scared of the dark uh, because people can jump out of the corner and jump and harm you or something like that. I'm just scared of that. So I'd always run to my parents' room when I have bad dreams. After I'd go, they would come and pray with me and say my favorite scripture. Before I close, I have some questions for you. Who should you be afraid of? Nobody. What should you be scared of? Nothing. Should you be ashamed of the gospel of Christ? No. Now give the Lord some praise. You're rude for making me go after all that. <laughs> Just putting it out there. <laughs> I stand here proudly to say that I was an honorary mom in my 20s. Now, no disrespect to those who are actual parents. Um, my kids were in their teenagers, and they're the loves of my life. I love them so much. It all started out because I proudly grew up in government housing. I'm not ashamed of it, nor will I ever be ashamed of it. But I had friends who were not allowed to come to my house. 
They weren't allowed to ever, you know, even step foot in my neighborhood. And I'm okay with that. I'm very proud of where I come from. You see, the best part about my neighborhood was just on the other side of the fence, there was an amazing church that I was able to go to. It started out with an invitation from a friend, and then I stayed because they had snacks every week. Now, for those of you who know me, you know it's real. Okay. (laughs) I stayed in the church. I grew up in the church. I was able to give leadership in the church. And I was in a position where they created a job for me that there was no job because they wanted someone that was in the community to work in the community. Now, the kids I have, they were the kinds that nobody wanted to deal with. You know, the single-parent households, the low-income families, the visible minorities. These are the ones that no one had any interest in dealing with. And th- that person was also me. So we had every day, uh, every Sunday, uh, weekly devotions. The kids would skip church but always find themselves to my weekly devotions. Of course, you know, with these kind of kids, I had... Fist fights, stick fights, belt fights, and brick fights. But nonetheless, they would always come back and find their safe place. To this day, I still get text messages for birthdays and Mother's Day. No offense again to the moms. Um, Because that's the connection I had with these kids. I think in particular back to one particular youth. You know, him and I had a bit of history. He didn't like me at first. And it was because his sister and I, you know, had some problems growing up. You know, we all didn't grow up being saints. Um, And so, in the end, you know, we had a great relationship. And I remember one day he called me. And I was like, okay, what do you need? He's like, can you come pick me up? And I was like, all right, sure. I didn't hesitate. He had his own car. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to come get you. I go there to pick him up. He gets in my car, and he's covered in blood. And I look at him, and I say, what happened? He said, I made it out just in time. The gun jammed, but my friend wasn't as lucky. So I went back to hold his head until the EMS showed up. And I'm thinking, what? So we go to the hospital, and as we arrive, the EMS doctor comes out and says, your friend has died. But he's still in surgery. So to me, I'm like, that doesn't quite make sense. The the next 24 hours were really hard for us. He stayed at my house, and we prayed. The, The verse I picked for this one is Psalms 92, verse 1 to 4. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works, sorry, made me glad by your word um, and the works of your hand, for I sing for joy. We went back to the hospital the next day, and only by God's grace did that young man survive. Where we have limits as human beings, God stepped in and he said, I am the great physician. I have this. And not only did that young man survive, he survived to full capability, no loss of sight, no loss of mobility. And to this day, he still checks up on me and asks me how I'm doing. I was in a position where I thought growing up in the government housing was rough. God used me to reach out to them and use this lesson to come back to me and say, listen, You can be broken, you can be shaken, but you are in the potter's hand, and I got you. For that, I stand here and say that I am thankful to have an opportunity to be in a position where I was growing up in government housing, because without that opportunity, I wouldn't even be here today. Good morning. Today, I'm grateful for Jehovah Shammah. And Jehovah Shammah simply means the Lord is there. 
Today, I want to share with you my gratitude for God's presence. Now, when I speak about God's presence, I'm not talking about some spooky white cloud floating in the sky. I'm talking about the tangible, everyday expressions of his presence in my life, that regardless of what situation I might find myself in, he is present with me. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And I want to share with you the day this verse became real to me. So let me tell you about the day when God gave me a hug. I remember it was a particularly difficult time in my life. I was going through a very, very hard situation. And I remember I knelt down to pray, but I felt nothing. I felt like God wasn't there, like he wasn't listening. As much as I was praying, I felt like the prayers were just hitting the roof and bouncing right back down in my lap. And I got so frustrated in the middle of my prayer that I started yelling at God. And I said to him, I said, God, where are you? I said to him, I feel so alone, and I don't know where you are. And I remember saying to him, how could you leave me in a situation like this and not even care whether or not I'm okay? And I remember I just cried myself, just cried on my knees. Later that week, I get a call from someone saying a group of my friends were going to visit a church, and they wanted me to come along. So I went. I get there. I do not remember what the pastor was preaching about, but I remember halfway through his sermon, he says this. He says, I don't know who you are, but God said to tell you that this week when you were on your knees praying and asking him, where are you? When you said to him, how could you not care about what I'm going through? God said to tell you he was kneeling right beside you with his arms wrapped around you. At this point, I'm a bawling mess because I know that that was an answer for me. Fast forward to the end of service. He makes a call. He says, if this word ministers to you in any way, come forward for prayer. So a whole slew of us rushed to the altar for prayer. Please picture me over by that wall. It was a room about this size. Picture me over by that wall, bawling my eyes out. Picture a whole group of people standing in the middle of the altar, some jumping, some crying, some kneeling, some worshiping. Picture Michelle Frazier on that wall doing the same thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of the five love languages, but my primary love languages are quality time and physical touch. This means I need to be in your presence and I need to physically touch you. At this point, I'm crying as hard as I am because I am so overwhelmed with gratitude for what God just did for me that all I wanted to do was physically touch him. But I know that this was, this was virtually impossible. But I remember I bowed over and I prayed this prayer in my heart. And when I say in my heart, I didn't say it audibly. I prayed it internally. I bent over because I was crying so hard I couldn't even stop crying to talk. I remember I said to God, I said, God, I need a hug. I didn't know it was Michelle at the time until I heard her voice. This chick walks from this side of the altar, crosses through all the other people kneeling and standing, comes around, gets behind me. I'm bowed over, bawling, like, and she, I feel these arms come behind me and pull me up like this. And she says in my ear, God sent me over here to tell you that the same way that my arms are wrapped around you is the same way that I'm holding you right at this moment. Now, I was already a hot mess because of what already happened. So at this point, I'm a hot ghetto mess, bawling and screaming my face off because I couldn't believe that God just did that. Why did I share that? I did not share that to highlight Michelle's spirituality, nor did I share that to highlight our friendship. I shared that because God asked me to. 
which probably means somebody somebody in this room feels exactly the way that I did that day I knelt down to pray. You are going through a difficult situation and you've been asking God the same question. Where are you? God's answer to you today is I am right there. Now to the person who recently gave your life to Christ, but lately it doesn't seem real. Again, like me in that moment, you can't feel him per se. So now you're beginning to question his existence. God wants you to know that he is real, that he's not a dummy or a dead idol that needs a ventriloquist to pull his strings. He is a living, tangible, relevant, and present God with the ability to reach you at your deepest point of need. So to everyone in this room today that's been questioning God on his whereabouts, to you he says today, I am Jehovah Shammah, and I am right there in the middle of it with you. Please take it from the person who had the audacity to question his ability to be a present help, like the Bible says, or to be a relevant God in my situation, only to find out quite emphatically that God was there the entire time. Thank you so much, and God bless you.